Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to today's Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm in Dotpet Labs at the latest Dublin Tech Talks, and I'm talking with Jason Adams, co founder of, of Minmax, and Michelle McDay, director of engineering at Work Human. How's it going, guys and girls? Great. Yeah, good. So tell us about tonight, what you're going to be talking about and what the, what the talk tonight is about. Um, I'm going to talk about inclusive leadership. Yeah. So um, I work in Work Human, I'm there about a year, and really what drew me to the company was how they, the product is about making work more human and the value of connections. So I'm going to talk, I'll share some of my uh, learnings on my leadership journey. Yeah. And yourself, Jason? Awesome. Yeah, I, for me, I want to talk about self leadership and um, you know this idea of, of taking ownership for your mindset, being deliberate about how you actually spend your time, and um, probably one of the more important ones, which is managing your ego. Yeah. So keeping keeping that in check, I, I totally agree with Michelle. Right, the um, the idea that you know people need to become more human. And I think that's really part of that process, and that's because for like ego, think of someone like Steve Jobs, who had a massive ego at times and was hard to control. Yeah, I love actually. Cy Wakeman talks about your ego is is not your amigo. Yeah, and I think when you make decisions and your ego is part of them, you don't make the right decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it works both ways, right? Like you, yeah. you, you, you have you know folks with the overactive, you know, kind of infallible, you know, I, I can't be wrong, I can't, you know, yeah. a- appear vulnerable. You've got that on one side, and on the other side you have, you know, the lack of self-confidence and, you know, the imposter syndrome and, you know, these these other kind of things. And, um, you know, I think there's, there's a misconception as well that ego is always a bad thing. Well, I don't think it's always a bad thing. I think we as humans, we have developed, yeah. you know, ego for a reason. You know, um, you know, I think you probably want your doctor, if he's doing surgery, yeah. you, you probably want him to have at least enough of an ego that he's confident that he can, you know, do the job that's in front of him, right? Yeah. So it's not all bad, but, you know, it's like anything when it's out of control. I guess it's how it's managed, how you yeah. manage your ego. Yeah, yeah and I think, like when you mentioned there, um, about making decisions and not being wrong, you know, one of the things I want to talk about is psychological safety. Yeah. And um, Google did research a few years back on what differentiates high-performing and low-performing teams. That's around psychological safety and being able to speak up, not being afraid of being judged, and everybody's voice being heard. Yes. Yeah, because I think everyone in team has a, has, a, has, a, has a voice to hear, them, and it's all going to be different voices, but we don't hear them all. And you sit in the background, you're not saying anything, and, you, and you're getting what's going on. Why are you there? Yeah, that's it's wonderful. I think that that's Project Aristotle, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, a great piece of research. I think we actually, you know, what, part of what I do is you go out and help um, teams understand the dynamic of how they're working, communicating, and interacting. And how leadership and work systems fit into that. And one of the th- our, our core focus really is about building trust and dependability, which is you know directly related to this project Aristotle research. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we were actually talking about commitment. You know, yeah. we look at sprint commitment and we measure velocity of teams. But com- if you look at the five dysfunctions of a team, that book that talks it talks about trust being the base layer. You know, mm-hmm. so you yes. can't actually go. To commitment, if you don't have that basic trust, yeah, trust is the foundation for everything. You know, to me, it's kind of like a marriage in a way that once you once you're into it, 
if you teach you that in, in and out all the way through, it is, it's, a, it's a long-term commitment, but a short-term. I think it's I think it's also important to realize that you know that there's a couple of the dynamics you know trust is you know it's it's a noun and a verb right it's you know, it's 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 not just a thing it's something that you do and you know I think this is the difference like you know for leaders you have to kind of extend that trust first you're you're responsible for that but you also have to realize that it takes time to actually build trust yeah. it's not something that that is a one-off event um, and I love that description it's like. You know, it, it is it is a series of small behaviors that are consistent over time, right? Um, you know, it's if you go out to a team and you say, "Tell me when you started trusting each other." Well, when did you start trusting your partner? When did you? You know, these are they're they're impossible questions to answer, but they're so important in terms of you know, kind of building relationships and yeah. yeah and uh, you know, we were talking about um, yeah, human connection, but as a people leader. If you don't invest time in talking to people and understanding them and being vulnerable yourself, yeah. I think that you know you can't build trust. And we were talking recently, and I said the most important. My calendar is jam packed, and sometimes it frustrates me, and I think I'm not really getting through my real work. But really, my real work is talking to people and Absolutely. investing in relationships. That's the most important thing I need to do. Yeah, that's that's I believe a hundred percent. Like that, that is your work. Actually, um, I recently put an article on LinkedIn. Every one to one is retention meeting and it's that idea that you know as a manager you having one-to-one relationships understanding that people are different they're at different stages of their life their career they have different needs so important you know and that is your job not all these other operational like kind of tasks it's about people yeah and i think even how you do the one-to-one yeah. is really important because if you go through a list of tasks um you know project checklist um, you're missing the opportunity to connect with the person about what's going on outside of work. Um, and the other thing I find with one-to-ones, which I've learned because I like to talk, so yeah. in, I chat, 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 and to stay silent, and at the end of the one-to-one to stay silent because I've noticed the last thing the person says is usually the most important thing to them as we're walking out the door. Actually, I meant to say to you, um, and it's a big question yeah. or it's a big thing for them, because it's the kind of thing they forget or they're scared to mention. But as they leave, leaving, they're leaving that door now. So I'll say it now. Because you've forgotten about it. I love that idea as well of kind of creating and defending that space you know, for the one to one. One of the things that I try to, to get across to, to particular managers, right, is like you should have two separate one to ones. One of them is operational and the other is developmental. Yeah. You know, and the operational one to one, that's where you talk about metrics and other things. The developmental one to one is about that person. It's about them and getting to understand their needs and desires and kind of how they're growing and developing. And those are very different conversations. And I think a lot of times there's a tendency to kind of cram that, you know, all together. Um, you know, and what happens our human nature is we want to go to the easy thing. Well it's easy to talk about KPIs and metrics. It's not so easy to talk about you know, a, a human, <laughs> a person. Yeah, because I think your yearly review should be about how you've done throughout the year in your work and what what you think you can do better next year and not about anything else. So it shouldn't be about what your team did, it's about you, what you've done in your work and they can say, well, you actually did this wrong or you did this very well and I'm pleased with that. But next year, do more of this or what you can do to improve yourself. Yeah, and like, like I'm a believer in positivity ratio, so feedback, five to one positive, you yeah. to hear. Um, but also, it needs to be continuous. Um, your conversations, you know, end of year reviews are really 
historic now. You know, we need to move into a way of talking more regularly, but also focusing on people's strengths and what really, what they, where they get their energy, and really focusing on what's good about them. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I don't know if you've come across a preset of inquiry, but it's basically, um, you find what you what you look for you know so if you're searching for problems you'll find more problems yeah. whereas if you look at what's good you'll see more good yeah. and if the person benefits yeah for me it's all about positivity I mean if you're all if you come into work with a positive attitude you won't find very many negatives and in negatives you, you, you do find or at least you overcome by positives okay that doesn't work too well but on the plus side you've got this 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 and this yeah, like I think you've no strength, you've no weaknesses. Your strengths go into overdrive if you think that way. You know, you just need to pair back that strength. It's so much more positive. Yeah. 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 So go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say I, I'm a big fan of kind of strengths-based leadership, and you know, a, a large part of that, like just any person understanding their strengths, they're gonna they're gonna reach a higher level of performance because when you do something that you're good at, you usually enjoy it. You know, that's that's. I think that's pretty key in terms of development. And I think it's also managing your energy. You know, everybody you talk to is struggling with time. They've got too much. Yeah. You're never going to get to the end of your work. So, like, when you do stuff you are strong at, you do it nearly in your sleep. Whereas if too much of your job is stuff that you're not strong at, it takes your energy and you're exhausted. Yeah, and you know... I, one thing I was thinking there to kind of back to the positivity, yeah. you know, kind of the positive. I think it is important to make sure that, you know, you're telling people things that they should continue doing and that they're doing well. But I also think that it's just as important that you're clear, right? And I think you, you plan to talk a bit about this, the radical candor piece, but, you know, the, it, it's really important. Like if somebody is failing and they come to their end of year review, yeah. right, and that's a surprise to them. Something is terribly wrong yeah. because that means that, you know, you, if you're a manager or leader, you have not communicated clearly to this person where they are and you probably haven't, you know, offered the kind of support to actually help them succeed and, and pull out of that. So positive is important, but clarity around improvements also. Is and also, yeah. I feel as well that at times, if, if you got negative traits, they're always going to be there trying to tone them down, but just because uh, so many things, they can't think I'm a father, they can go wrong. Things can go wrong. And you gotta make sure that we are human and you make mistakes, we all do. But obviously in, 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 if you can try and tone it down so in the end that doesn't shine through as much, that's even better. Yeah, like I, I for years I was a bit of a perfectionist and I my life is so much better because I've changed my mantra to mm-hmm. is this good enough or done is better than perfect. And I think um, if you strive for perfection you're going to cause yourself heartache and you're actually going to annoy a lot of people around you. You'll be more controlling. Yeah. So I think it's being able to let go and actually know when it's good enough. Yeah, Mom, they also do a radio show in America with an American friend of mine. And now and again, you see people working from a time there's flaws, happens, cables are hanging loose, and everything else. And a friend of mine said to him, Why are you being perfectionist? These things can happen, will happen, don't worry about that. Think of the positives. You're on the radio, having a show, get to play music with that we knew both like. That's the positive about it. Stuff, if you keep worrying about that, you, you, it's going to eat you up inside. Yeah, what are you saying no to? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, it's, I, I think as well when you, you, you talk a bit about um, you know, mistakes and this sort of things, my kind of mantra to all my teams that I led you know, over the years was pretty much consistent. And that started from my time in the Army all the way through you know, to my career in games, which was it's okay to make mistakes. 
it's not okay to repeat the same mistakes, right? So again, it's you know this clarity of like I understand you're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. What's not okay is not learning yeah. from those mistakes and and kind of growing in that process. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And I think just going back to the radical candor, yeah. I've sat in so many talent reviews where people around the room are all agreed there's a gap for a person. And when I ask the question or somebody asks the question, has that person heard feedback? The answer is often no, because yeah. they're afraid to upset the person, but they've basically robbed them of an opportunity. Yeah. And I think at times when you make a mistake, it's part of the learning curve. You learn from that. It's the enrich your life, because you're going to learn things all, all through your, your career. And a mistake you made one day, you know, well, I can't do it again because this happens. You learn from that. And obviously, you might make other mistakes, but that's human nature. But the ones you made before, you won't do it again. And if you do do them again, you shouldn't be in that job at all. Well, it, it, also, this is where feedback is so important, yeah. right? And understanding that you, we as human beings need feedback. Like, you know, look at children when they're born. What are they doing? They're like, shoving things in their yeah. mouth, they're like feeling the way they're sensing the world around them. Plants do it, animals do it, we do the same thing. And yeah. for some reason, it seems like, you know, once you get out of school, feedback kind of stops. Well, right? actually, and as an adult in, in yeah. a lot of cases. Like that book, Radical Candor, we were talking about it earlier, yes. but what she talks about, Kim Scott uh, yeah. talks about, is at 18 months, or from that age on, we're told if you don't have anything good, don't say it, uh, to say, don't yes. say anything at yeah. all. And so it's inbuilt in us, you know, and it's quite interesting, there's another really interesting book on it, The Culture Map, and that's talking about the differences between different cultures, about being open and direct, yeah. and also the differences in how they give feedback and hear feedback. So being very clear, in some cultures, maybe an insult. In another one, if you say something good and then in the middle of it you say something, the piece that you want them to hear, they don't even hear it. Yes. Well, I think a lot of this comes down to basic human communication as well. And that's another thing that kind of Adam, my co-founder, and I talk about a lot is, you know, there, there are different styles of communication and different ways of interacting and some people are going to be more responsive to one style uh, versus another. And it's really important that you learn how to understand what those are and flex to them. You know, again, so that you're you're actually helping. And that covers everything. It's not just about what you're saying, but also how you're saying it, your body language. There's so many other pieces that kind of go into that that a lot of times you don't think about consciously, but as human beings, we're consistently processing. And I think, um, you know, there's a few different um, tests you can do to understand that, but I think it's really interesting because that's something that I learned over the years. If you speak in a way that you like to hear information, yes. it may not land at somebody that's else, right. and you're wondering, what's going on here? Why is this not working? You know, and that's because they used to understand each other. Do it in a certain way, and you've all your life, and suddenly you're thrust in environments where you thought that's not done this way. And you think, I've got now fit into this new philosophy of how business is working, where I'm working now. Because you could be in a company and they have a certain way of doing things, possibly, uh, do that way, and you're not used to that. How do you get used to that? And if you can't get used to it, then what do you do next? I think the fundamental fact, right, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you agree with this or not, Michelle, I'm, I'm guessing you probably will, is that you know, the workplace is changing, and it's changed a lot, and we still hold on to a lot of ways, everything from organizational structures to leadership behaviors, we hold on to this kind of industrial age mentality, right, when most everything that we do now is knowledge work, and it requires a very 
different type of workplace. You need people who are able to communicate effectively because, you know, this is knowledge work. You're relying on the people around you. You're being paid to make decisions yeah. and solve complex problems, not to, you know, screw bolts onto, you know, a, a machine supply. Yeah. yeah, and I think people need to really invest in understanding each other um, one of the things actually I worked on with one of my colleagues, Erin Thompson, we talked about when we, when we start working with a new manager and trying to understand what are the preferences and how you work. We came up with, and it isn't a new thing, we've both seen it in different forms, but how I like to work. So it's basically self-reflection. Some questions that you ask, ask yourself yeah. include things like, say, Belvin team roles and DISC, any of those sort of yes. tests that you've done, um, but also... Uh, how you interact and how you like to interact with others. So, you know, if you're introvert, if you're extrovert, how you like to receive feedback. But as well as reflecting, it's also sharing it with your manager and then doing the same. And that really can fast forward you through a lot of um, issues. Yeah. This, this comes back to what you said earlier, right? It's about one-to-one interaction. It's about having a relationship with the person and actually being able to talk about how you effectively work together. It's, it's and if you, can't work, if you can't work together, then that, that's the question that's going to be asked. Like, come together, which, which person is the one who has to leave? And <laughs> in some cases, you get a scenario. I've seen cases before in, in other jobs where the manager can't communicate with his staff, but because he's been, he's been there so long, he's, he's kept there. Hmm. And in the end, the person that should be kept is the younger staff because they, they're more in tune what's going on. But because he's been there so long, he's like part of furniture, we can't, we can't let it go. Yeah, I think it's 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 a fundamental flaw, right? Yeah. In that, um, you know, and, and my guess is that manager, again, thinking about this as a human, chances are that manager probably never had a great example themselves. Yeah. You know, and nobody's ever sat down with them and showed them that there's a different way of kind of working and understanding and, you know, again, keeping their ego in check, understanding that as a manager, as a leader, you have a disproportionate impact on people. You know, yeah. and and how you impact them. It's not just their work; it's their the home life. It's everything else. And I think once you get people to understand the responsibility that they have at that level, I think they start to view it a little differently. But unfortunately, sometimes that's tough. Yeah, and I think we don't um, invest in emotional intelligence right. yeah. and understanding it enough. And I think that we're not really giving people the tools to deal with these kind of yeah. things. So, like we talk about neurodiversity. And, you know, the benefits of having a diverse team, but it's actually hard. It's mm. very hard. And we don't talk about that. Yeah. We don't give people the tools to actually support the diverse team. Yeah, I had a friend of mine, he used to work as an engineering company. And his, his, his boss, who, had a, who was a, had a PhD, received a master's, and his boss felt I should be ahead of all this. And when it came to promotions, my friend got the job. And this is, is, is the guy working wasn't, wasn't happy. Why? I'm more confident than you. I'm famous, yes. But when you want to talk to the Indian staff or the down below or the unions, you say to the secretary. When I, when I like to say, I don't talk to them personally and they trust me, they don't trust you. And they don't trust you, why are you, why are you here? And in a short while later, the, the guy was like, oh, that guy, because he just couldn't cope with that. Somebody who probably never got feedback. <laughs> yeah. He didn't get feedback, but, but he, he was shocked when he was told, Oh, nobody actually likes you. The empathy for you isn't great, and uh, mainly because you say, secretary down to talk, talk to them rather than yourself. So, if we want to relate some good or bad news, you send somebody else to do it rather than do it yourself. And they didn't like that. Whereas, that my friend William was happy to go down and tell them what was going on exactly, and they trusted them more so. Right. Ownership. 
yeah. on its own. Yeah. And people being honest. Yes. Or looking for feedback or accepting it. You know, I think it's very easy to talk about asking for feedback. Yeah. It's how you receive it as well. Yes. And sometimes you can be defensive and it's hard to hear things, but I think thanking the person for the feedback and accepting that's their perspective, it's what they yeah. see. Even if you think it's wrong, if you start to argue, they're not going to come back and give you feedback. No, I never argue with that. I've always took it on board. Yeah, I can agree with that. I might agree with something you said, but most of it I, I can agree with. You've got to be positive about it if you can be. It's yeah. accepting it. It's their perception, yeah. right? So it's still, there's value in that. There's something for you to learn. Yes. Yeah. All right, and that now I'll say thanks so much for a great podcast and uh, enjoy your talks tonight and uh, have a great day. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.